The following podcast is from Doxa Church in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. For more information about Doxa Church, please visit us online at www.doxachurch.org. Well, good morning. Um, Before we begin, I just want to take another minute and say how grateful and thankful Margo and I are to be here at Doxa. This is, this is only our, our second week here, but even in the short time that we've, we've been around you all, um, it's just so evident how much that this church body loves one another and how much you, you care for one another. Um, you all have been, been so welcoming to us, and the elders of this church have already blessed us in a tremendous way. Um, so just, just thank you. Uh, it's, it's clear to us, it's clear, it's been very clear to me in just two weeks how much you all, you love Jesus, how much you love the scriptures, and how you as a body are committed to worshiping Jesus with your, your lives. And it is, it is just such a blessing for us to, to be here. And we sincerely look forward to being part of this church body and meeting every, every single one of you. So thank you. Um, Our text this morning that Randy read a couple of minutes ago, our text is very tightly and very closely connected to what we looked at last week in Romans Romans chapter 3, verses 21 to 26. And if you think back to last week, we started to see that Paul, in his letter to the Romans, he actually has some really good news to share. The case against humanity has been made in terms of our sin and the judgment that we all deserve. And now, Paul begins to give us some some really, really good news. And this isn't just the kind of good news that you hear and you kind of shrug your shoulders like, oh, that's that's nice, like it's going to be good weather tomorrow. That, That makes me feel pretty good. No, the news that we're talking about, that Paul is talking about, is life-altering, eternity-changing, I'll never, ever be the same in my life kind of news. That, that's what Paul starts sharing. And many of you here, you already know what I'm talking about, but I'm talking about the news that human beings, we can be justified, we can be made right with God, we can be in a relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ. And not only this, but our justification, our righteous standing before God, it doesn't find its basis in what we do. We don't and we cannot earn our salvation. We can't earn forgiveness for all the wrong that we've done. That is impossible for human beings to do. And it doesn't matter how religious we are or how many good works that we do, We cannot earn our salvation. We are justified by God's grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. That's the language that Paul uses. And if you've you've grown up in church or you've been a Christian for any significant amount of time, you have heard everything that I've, I've just said. And hopefully you've heard the concept of justification through faith alone many times. We can't do anything to earn our salvation. But brothers and sisters, don't let a day go by 
where you are not astounded by this reality. I think some of the most precious gifts that we have are the ones that we're the most prone to take for granted. I know that that is certainly true for me in my life. Other than my salvation, my wife and my children, they are the most precious gifts that I have. But oh, how easy it is for me to forget this. And the same can be true for our salvation in Christ through faith. If you belong to Christ and your salvation is secure, don't neglect to rejoice in this beautiful reality every single day. Justification, being made right with God by grace through faith, that is the the undergirding, it's the foundation of what Paul is talking about in verses 27 to 30. And Paul, he's going to continue to put this reality right before our eyes this morning. And it may it may seem like Paul is being a little bit repetitive as we continue to work through Romans chapter 3, but I think he's doing this because of the greatness and the significance of what he's saying. Paul Paul isn't doubling down on justification through faith alone without reason. The subject is is so great and it's so vital that we must be sure that there's no misunderstanding about this. We have to be absolutely crystal clear when it comes to this. So before we unpack and we apply what the scriptures say here, I just want to pray and ask that the Lord would help us and help me this morning. So would you all pray with me now? Father, thank you for bringing us here this morning. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the way that it speaks to us, God. Lord, I pray right now that you would help me. Help me to say things that are true. Help me to say things that are are honoring to you, God. Lord, I pray that the distractions that we might be um, tempted by this morning, I pray that you will just silence those. God, I pray that our total focus will be on you, will be on your word, Lord, and we'll hear from you this morning. God, I pray for for those here this morning that are tired, they've had a, a busy week. Father, help them to keep their eyes open and their hearts focused on you. Help all of us to focus on you, God. Help this not just to be something that goes into our heads, but God, help it to filter down into our hearts. Father, we love you. Be with us this morning. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Let's look again this morning at what the Apostle Paul is saying in verses 27 and 28 first. And I'm going to read them again for us here. If you have your Bible, you can open it up and and see it as we work through it. Paul writes, Then what becomes of our boasting? It is excluded. By what kind of law? By a law of works? No, no but by a law of faith. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Remember that Paul's letter to the Romans was was written to Christians who had both Jewish and Gentile or or non-Jewish backgrounds. And Paul knew that one of the problems with the Jews was their propensity to boast and be proud in their own achievements and be proud in their own accomplishments. 
The Jews thought that their obedience to God gave them some kind of claim on God. The Jews would, would boast in the fact that they were God's people. They would boast in the fact that they had received the law, that, that they were performing these, these righteous acts. And we see an example of this kind of Jewish boasting played out in Luke chapter 18. You don't have to turn there. I'm going to read it really quick. But we see an example of a Pharisee, of a, of a Jewish leader, boasting and being filled with pride that he's not like the, the sinful tax collector. Listen to what this Pharisee says while, while he's praying to the Lord. This is in Luke 18, verses 11 to 13. God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. This man is saying, thank you, God, I'm not like those people over there. I'm different. I'm special because of the things that I do. And we can feel the pride and the arrogance in his words. But friends, this isn't a Jewish problem or an example of, of Jewish prejudice. This religious and moral prejudice can follow us into the Christian life. And if we're not careful, it can be a problem for every single one of us. How often have we been guilty of having a prideful and boastful heart because of what we do. Probably more often than we'd like to admit. And I'm not, I'm not just talking here about boasting in some kind of career or financial or, or some kind of worldly success. There's even a strong temptation to boast in the, the godly acts that we do. We certainly should be serving in our local church, right? But... This shouldn't cause us to think that we're, we're better than the one who isn't serving. We should be reading our Bibles, spending time in prayer, drawing close to God. But may God have mercy on us if we think that, that we're somehow how better than others or we're boastful because of these things. And, and keep in mind that we can be guilty of boasting without even saying a word. I think much, much of the boasting that we do, it stays within our hearts, but it never actually comes out of our mouths. We can demonstrate a posture of boasting in our, our attitude or in, in our demeanor. And boasting is more than just talking about one's achievements. It's more than that. Our, our attitude and our posture can be, be boastful and is a symptom of pride. We can't exonerate ourselves from the crime of boasting just because we never actually verbalize those feelings. Even the good things that we do, the things that Christ calls us towards in terms of obedience, we must be humble and not boastful. Our praise should be directed towards God if we're growing in holiness, not towards ourselves. In verse 27, Paul is showing us that are being made righteous by God through the work of Christ, through faith, it obliterates pride. It obliterates boasting in all areas of our lives. And any boasting or any pride that we Christians might be tempted to have, it is excluded. It is shut out because of the way that God saves us. 
boasting is the language of fallen self-centeredness. And it would, it would make sense for us to have a, a certain level of pride if our salvation was based on the works that we do. But we know that our justification, our salvation is based on what Christ has already done. Remember when Paul writes in Galatians 6.14, remember this. But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Any kind of boasting, other than boasting in what Christ has done in the cross of Christ, I think, I think it demonstrates that we are amiss somehow in the way that we understand our salvation. Christians, followers of Jesus Christ, we should be the humblest of people because we understand that we don't deserve the grace. We don't deserve the salvation that is offered us in Christ. We don't deserve this new life that we have in Jesus. Christian, if you are struggling with pride and a boastful heart in different areas of your life, could it be that you're forgetting to remember the way that God has saved you? Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, this is Paul again. He writes, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Salvation by grace through faith and, and not works is something that makes Christianity unique when compared to the other religions of the world. Real, authentic, biblical Christianity is not about human beings working and striving to make ourselves right with God. Christianity is not about us climbing up the mountain trying to reach God. It's not about earning our righteousness through our works. Now, if, we, if we've read our Bibles, then we know that good works will accompany genuine faith. James is very clear about this in his letter. And the Lord Jesus points to this when he says that others should be able to see our good deeds. But it's not through our good deeds that we make ourselves right with God. It's not through our deeds that we're, we're able to somehow climb up and reach God. Instead, the Bible teaches that God is the one who seeks after and reaches down to us. And we see this play out in Scripture over and over again. God, he is the one who takes the initiative towards us. And this concept is completely foreign, and, and it, it's, it's different from what the rest of the religions of the world teach. The other religions of the world, they charge human beings to reach up and take hold of God through their own efforts. And just believing that somehow we are able to climb a ladder and reach God, it shows a profound misunderstanding of God's holiness and our sinfulness. Many times when I'm, I'm trying to talk with someone about Christianity, they'll just kind of dismiss me and say, well, that's just, that's just what you believe. That's just your way. But but there are a bunch of different ways for people to reach God, and ultimately, they all, they all end in the same place. And people will use the example of, we're just trying to, we're all climbing the mountain, trying to get to God, and we just have different ways to get there. But what we're talking about this morning, this justification, 
this being made right with God through faith in Christ is completely different. That's a totally different concept. I've been in, in India a couple of times, and I've, I've seen young women from Hindu backgrounds, and I've watched their eyes light up and their face and their demeanor begin to change when they start to understand this, this great doctrine of justification that we're talking about this morning. You don't have to. In fact, you can't work hard enough to earn your salvation. In Christianity, we don't earn salvation and justification with God through our works. Instead, we receive the gift of salvation that Christ secured through his bloody sacrifice on the cross through faith. And friends, this news, this news that we have, it transforms lives. For those of us who are Christians, we can attest that this news has transformed our life. But there are millions of people around the world, and there are thousands of people in our own community, they do not understand this message. And most of them, they've never even heard this message. Even, even people in our own community who think they've heard the gospel, they think they've, they've got it and heard it before, they've often been fed a works-based gospel that isn't the gospel at all. We have good news that we must be faithful in sharing. This justification by grace through faith, it is the heart of the gospel. And as Martin Luther noted, this is the doctrine by which the church either stands or it falls. It's imperative. It's imperative that we as followers of Jesus, we understand that our works are not what makes us right with God. I know, I know we get it up here a lot and we've heard it many times, but we must feel it with our hearts. Instead, it's Christ that makes us right with God through faith. And again, I know many people in here have heard that many times before. But are you really letting that reality transform your life? Because it should. Every single day it should. Now we've, we've been talking a lot about faith this morning. And I think it's really important for us to take a minute here and explain what faith actually is. The concept of faith is going to continue to be an important thing as we, we work through Romans. And, and really more important than that, if we don't understand faith, that we don't understand justification. And we don't understand salvation. So we need to be very careful with our definition of faith. You see, faith, it is the instrument of our salvation. But faith in and of itself is not what saves us. What saves us is the perfect work of Jesus Christ. Now, genuine faith, it is a trusting in, it is a clinging to, and it's a relying on all that Christ is and all that he has done for us. Authentic biblical faith is not a work that we in our own power perform. That concept, that would fly in the, in the face of, of everything that Paul has been saying. We quoted Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 earlier, but it's worth mentioning again. Just listen closely to this. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Friends, even, even our faith is not our own doing. It's not something that we have because we're smarter 
or more enlightened than others. The faith that we have in Christ, it is a gift. There's a a misconception, I think, especially here in the South, where people believe that they have faith and that they're right with God just because they acknowledge some very important things are true. And here's, here's what I mean by that. People may acknowledge that Jesus is God. They believe that he died on the cross. They even believe that he rose from the dead. Obviously, it's, it's good and it's important and it's right to believe that those things actually happened. But if someone is understanding faith to mean just believing that something is true, then the faith that they have is actually no different from Satan's. Think about it. The devil, he knows that Jesus is God. He knows that Jesus died on the cross and was raised from the dead. He knows these things. Mental assent alone is not faith. Real faith is demonstrated by a humble submission to Christ. It's receiving the kindness of Christ. It's a resting in. It's a clinging to Christ with everything that we have. So when the the storms hit and the trials come, our faith in Christ is what gets us through. Those who have true faith in Christ, they demonstrate this by the way that they live their lives. Christians who have been justified through faith, they live in a way that shows that Jesus is, is everything to them. We live live in a way that shows that Jesus is our treasure. Those are the kinds of things that demonstrate true faith, not just mental assent. That alone is not faith. So the way, God's way of salvation, it gets rid of all of the distinctions between people. That's the message, we're shifting gears here a little bit, that's the message of Romans verse 29 and 30 in chapter 3. Let's look at it here again. Let's keep working through this. Paul writes, Or is God the God of Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles also? Yes, of Gentiles also. Since God is one who will justify the circumcised by faith, and the uncircumcised through faith. What Paul is saying, he's he's continuing to double down, is that there is one way for salvation to be obtained. It is not through works. It's not through keeping the law as, as the Jews would suppose. Faith in Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, is the only way in which salvation is possible. And Paul is making the argument here that Because God is one, he is the God of both Jews and Gentiles. There is not one God of the Jews and another God of the Gentiles. Jews and Gentiles are in the same position in respect to their maligning the character and the being of God. And Paul Paul is such a master with the way he presents his case here. He's a master in what, what he's saying. When Paul says, yes, of Gentiles also, since God is one, he's making a, well, a reference to a well-known passage in the Old Testament. One that the Jews would know very well. 
and one that we'll probably recognize too. I'm going to read it really quick. It's short. Deuteronomy 6.4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Because God is one, there's one way of salvation, and this salvation is available for all peoples. In verse 30, Paul uses some language that it caused me to pause when I was preparing this message. You may have noticed it as well if you were, if you were really looking at it. There, it. There's a little distinction that it, it might look like he's making. It says, since God is one who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith. So what's, what's the difference here between Jews being justified by faith and Gentiles through faith? Is Paul trying to make some kind of distinction here? And I, I, was, I was wondering that when I began looking at the passage. Well, the short answer to that is there's, there's no difference and there's no distinction being made here in what, what Paul is saying. All he's doing is varying his expression, just like any good speaker or writer would do. He does the exact same thing in Galatians 2.16 when he writes, Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ. So there's, there's other examples of this in, in Paul's writing. But the bottom line is we don't need to get bogged down here and try to make some kind of distinction. Because that's, that's not what, what Paul is doing. Um, it's easy for us to do that and maybe get confused sometimes with, with ways that Paul might, might put things. But the bottom line, and this, I'm, I know I sound like a broken, broken record probably, but the bottom line is Paul is saying there's only one way of salvation, and it's through faith in Jesus Christ. Paul's emphasizing this again and again and again. And this was, this was a big stumbling block for Jews. And it's even something that many Christians with Jewish backgrounds, they would continue to struggle with this. But there's one way for both Jews and Gentiles to be saved. Faith in Christ and not works of the law. Now, I, I want us to, to shift again here and start thinking of some very practical ways in which this applies to our lives. We don't just want to just think in our minds and say, we get it, I've heard this before, like, I've got it. No, let's, let's think, how does, how does this actually apply to how we live? And I trust that the Lord has already been doing some of this as we've unpacked what Paul is saying. But again, I don't want us to miss it. I don't want to just us to leave here this morning thinking, I heard something that I knew, or I was reminded of something that I knew, but it doesn't actually change how I live. That would be, that would be a waste of time if that's, if that's what we're doing this morning. So I want us to take just a couple of minutes and for us to, to really think about this. And I have, I have uh, four practical ways that I think all that we've been talking about applies to our lives. Now, there, there's way more than four things. There's way more than four ways. But just, just something tangible. We've kind of been, um, been introducing things, but I just want to make sure we've got some, some tangible things we can hold on to as we, as we walk out of here today. So, four things. First, our justification by faith alone should cause us to be the humblest of people. 
Our justification by faith alone should cause us to be the humblest of people. And I mentioned that earlier when we looked at verse 27, but I just want to state it again. Make sure we're very clear on that. The fact that we're justified by faith and not works should lead to humility in all of us. We bring absolutely nothing to the table. And God still sees fit to have mercy on us through the work of Christ. We do nothing to earn our salvation. And yet, those of us who are in Christ, we have it because of the faith that he gives us. It's all about what God does. It's all about what he does and not about what we do in terms of our salvation. And this is true in other areas of our life as well. God God receives all of the glory this way. When we take pride in our accomplishments or our possessions, as if we have earned these things, we're robbing God of the glory that he deserves. Just like our justification, everything that we have is a gift from God. So friend, are are you giving God the glory that he deserves in your life? Do you, have, do you have a heart that's just, it's marked by a, po- a posture of humility? Is that true of you? If you're struggling with living a humble life before the Lord, maybe you need to spend some time really thinking about your justification through faith. I speak from personal experience here when I say that really thinking about how God justifies us can can crush, can destroy temptations to pride. That's been so true for me, and I promise it will be true for you as well if you really take some time and think through that. Second, our justification, it should lead to heartfelt worship and joy. Our justification should lead to heartfelt worship and joy. I think this is a very obvious point, but I just want to make it to to be clear on that. Our sin, it has infinitely separated us from the holy God of the universe. Our sin has rightly brought us under God's wrath and punishment. But justification, rightness with God, is freely offered through the work of Jesus Christ. Furthermore, justification is attained through faith and the all-sufficient sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Friends, there should be a a constant soundtrack of joy playing in our hearts. It should be on repeat over and over and over again. Now this doesn't mean, I want to be clear on this as well, this doesn't mean that Christians never mourn or never battle depression or never feel deep, deep sadness. That's not what I'm saying at all. Some of The Christians who have understood justification through faith the best have struggled with those things the most. What I'm saying, though, that is in spite of our circumstances, Christians, those of us who are followers of Jesus, we still have reason for joy. We still have reason for worship, regardless of our circumstances. Our God is a good God who has freed us from striving after him through works We rest in the perfect work of Christ. And this should lead to heartfelt joy and heartfelt worship. Third, our justification should give us assurance. 
Our justification should give us assurance. What I mean is that understanding how our justification works, it should cause us to be more firm and more secure in our salvation. One of the most troubling and, and difficult questions that genuine, genuine Christians, they often ask themselves is, am, am I truly a Christian? Am I really a Christian? I've, I've known many committed followers of Jesus who have struggled with this from time to time. I know that I have. In fact, I think it's safe to say that, that many, if not most of us who are believers, have struggled with that from time to time. Am, am I a true Christian? Here's the thing, though. If we base our justification on some kind of condition that we must fulfill or some kind of experience that we must have, then we are always going to struggle with assurance. God does not justify us because of our, our sincere sorrow for sin or our good works or anything else that we do. We're justified because of what Christ has done. Be careful, Christian. Be careful to guard your heart from the subtle temptation to believe that we can be justified by works. It creeps in. Even though we know what's true, that, that it will creep into our lives. And this can lead to, to spiritual depression, and it can lead to a constant battle with assurance. And I think this is part of the reason why we see people who are consistently rededicating themselves to the Lord or, or they're walking the aisle over and over again for salvation. These kind of things, they, they happen a lot in, in many of our churches, and it could be that these, these people, um, they never trusted in Christ in the first place. That's possible. But there's also a strong chance, I would even say a greater chance, that they, haven't, they just haven't understood their justification. They haven't understood the way that they're made righteous with God. And because of this, they lack assurance. Every child of God that has real assurance of their salvation has an understanding of their justification. And there's such a, a great opportunity for us to help new believers in this area. It's been my experience that new Christians especially struggle with assurance. So if you, if you come across someone who's a genuine believer and they're struggling with their assurance, they're struggling with being secure in their salvation, make, for, make sure that first they understand their justification. They understand that this isn't, this isn't about your works. It's about the work of Christ and what he has done. A biblical understanding of justification, it will most certainly help with assurance. Fourth, this is the last one. Understanding our justification, it should make us bold in our evangelism. Understanding our justification should make us bold in evangelism. Friends, the gospel is so unique when compared to the other religions of the world. And not just, not just other religions, but the entire worldly way of thinking about things. The message of the gospel, and remember, justification is the heart of the gospel. It's at the heart of the gospel. It says that you don't have to work in order to earn God's approval. You don't have to work for this. It's through, through the work of Christ, through faith, that we're made right with God. For someone who is struggling and they're, they're working, trying to reach God, this is such good news. No more working. No more hoping that one day, just maybe, 
I'll be able to reach God. Through Christ, we and others can be confident that we're in right standing with God. Other religions of the world, they cannot offer this kind of assurance. They can't offer the assurance of salvation that comes through Christianity, the message that, that we have. Friends, let's, let's be confident. Let's be bold in, in believing that the message that we have of salvation, it will bring life to the lost. Let's be bold in the way that we share our faith. There are so many people who would love to hear the good news that we have to offer them. Yes, there will be some, maybe many, who, we, who will dismiss us. But there will be others who will be thrilled. They will be overjoyed to hear the message that we have. So I know we've, we've dipped our toes in a couple of, of different things this morning, but I think it's very clear the banner that's flying over everything that has been said this morning is that there's nothing that we can do in terms of our works in order to be made right with God. There's no amount of good deeds that we can do. There's no amount of prayers that we can say that will bring salvation. It's not about what we do, it's about what Christ has done. Brings so much peace, brings so much rest to our souls. If you're here today and you are, you're not a Christian, you're not a follower of Jesus, I hope you've been able to see maybe some of the things that are different, some of the things that are unique about Christianity. And I pray that you will place your faith in Jesus Christ. He's the only way to God the Father. He is the only one who can heal the brokenhearted. He's the only one who can bring rest to the weary soul. He truly does bring never-ending joy. Even in the midst of, of suffering, of trials that we go through, Christ brings never-ending joy. Maybe you're here today and you are a Christian. You are a, a true follower of Jesus but you've been struggling with being sure of your salvation. You're asking yourself the question, man, am I really a Christian? Maybe you've fallen into sin in a particular area of your life, and you've, you've genuinely repented. You've turned away from that sin, but you're wondering, man, do I, do I still belong to God? I pray that you'll walk away from here confident in your salvation, confident in the work of Christ. Not your works, confident in the work of Christ. Be confident in what he has done for you, not in what we try to do for ourselves. Brothers and sisters, let's work, let's work hard. Let's labor hard for the kingdom of God. But may we always keep our hearts from thinking that we are are earning something from God in terms of our salvation. We don't, we're not earning it. There's nothing that we can do. And when we start to think that, that is a symptom of pride. We, we want there to be some way that we can do it. That's pride. Only God can do it. It's through the work of Christ and the gift of faith that he gives. I know I think David has some things he's going to share about communion, but I, just, I have a couple things that I, I just want to say as we begin um, I guess we're going to sing and we'll, we'll take communion here in a minute. But let's just remember that Christ, he gave his life for us. His body was broken. His blood was, was shed. And as we, we take communion, let's just let's remember the Lord's death, his resurrection, and his imminent return.
Let's remember the way that we've been justified in Christ. Let's have our, our, our minds and our hearts kind of focused on that as we take communion this morning. So I'm, I'm going to pray, and then um, we'll continue worshiping the Lord. Father, thank you for saving me. I know I echo, or I know there's, there's many, many others in the room who, who have that same prayer. God, thank you for saving us. Father, thank you that we, we can't earn it. Thank you that our salvation is a gift, our faith is a gift. Lord, thank you for that. Father, I pray that we, Doxa, that we will be just the humblest of people, Father. We'll be humble in the way that we approach you. That we'll be humble in the way that we approach others. God, may people see that there's something different about us. Father, I pray that you'll help us to take this, this message, your, your gospel, Lord. And at the heart of it is what we're talking about, is justification through faith. God, help us to take it to people in our community. Help us to take it to people around the world. God, I pray even, even now you'll, you'll start stirring in hearts to, to take the gospel to places that it's never been. God, I pray that Doxa would be a place that, that does that. It's about that, Lord. I know the, the heart of the elders is for that. So, Lord, just continue to work in that. Father, help us to trust you. Help us to cling to you with everything that we have. Oh, God, you are our everything, Father. You are our everything. Thank you for Christ. Thank you for the opportunity to worship you this morning. In Jesus' name.